It is a delight to spend this next few moments together, studying God's Word together. And since this is a Missions Sunday, and uh, right after this service together, we're going to go downstairs and we're going to interact with ministries that are going on all around the city through members of this family. Um, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like for us to look at a true story from a faraway land. A true story from a faraway land. And then I'd like to tell you a parable. A parable of the kingdom of God. And then we're going to open God's word in John 17, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to visit with Jesus. And we're going to learn a little bit more about this. What did, what did Lewis call it? He called it an operating, the kingdom operating system. So we'll learn a little bit more about the kingdom operating system as Lewis was helping us think through it last week. Well, this story comes from a single missionary gal working in a faraway land. So listen. Listen to the Lord at work. Ruth was my first language teacher who later became a believer and led her mother to faith. Her uncles and grandfather, who had made life difficult for her since becoming a Christian, softened. As Ruth's mother prayed in Jesus' name over their sick 103-year-old grandfather during a religious holiday, and he was miraculously healed. Frequently, her grandfather would get sick, and Ruth would ask, Grandfather, why don't you pray in the name of Jesus? Because Jesus is the only one who has power to heal. And every time, that he prayed in the name of Jesus, he was healed. But this was not enough to turn him towards following Jesus. After all, he'd been a follower of his religion for 103 years, having been born into it. In his religion, when you do your daily prayers, it requires that you kneel and bow several times as you recite the prayers Ruth's grandfather still went to the house of prayer every day to do this. But one day ended quite differently. He started the prayer, but halfway through, as he bowed down, he realized that he couldn't get back up. Men from the house of prayer rushed over to help this elderly man who was bent over. But as they surrounded him, the first thing he did was to put his hand on his back and pray very quietly in the name of Jesus, asking once again for healing. As he was bowing there, he sensed a man near him. A man he felt to be Jesus. The man asked him one question. What are you doing here? Ruth's grandfather returned home and asked for Ruth to come and visit. He told her that he wanted to believe. Ruth spent three hours with him that first day, talking about what it means to be a believer and answering his questions. 
And now the entire family knows that he is following Jesus Christ. Jubilee, Jesus is on the move in our world. And he's reaping where you and I wouldn't even dream of sowing. In houses of worship where we wouldn't dare to enter. Jesus is reaping. He's fulfilling the promise that he gave to his disciples when he said to them, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen to a parable. A story about the kingdom of heaven. There was a king who lived in a good and vast land. He had many subjects under him whom he called his children and friends. These looked to him for their every need. And each morning, these faithful men and women and children would come to the king to be commissioned for that day into various work projects needed for the upkeep and the good of the kingdom. These jobs were varied. Some were quite demanding upon the subjects. Others were less so. But they all had one peculiar, one very interesting sameness. The results of the work, or the full effect of the work, was hidden from their view. It seemed that only the king had the ability to see the full effect of all their combined efforts. And his magnificent smile manifested the pleasure he received in their faithfulness in both large and small tasks. Well, a traveler who happened to be passing through the king's country stopped and asked one of those who was working in a field why he seemed to be so happy when the work seemed to be so hard. For you see, this traveler had been through many other lands where men and women and even children worked for themselves and satisfied their own desires rather than working for a king. And this, he thought, seemed more desirable than working for someone else. So he asked the man what the motivation was behind all this effort. The man paused in his work, looked away lovingly towards the residence of the king up on the hill, and then with a smile, he pulled out a parchment and said to the traveler, it's the promise, sir. A promise? You, you mean you come out here early each morning, you toil in the heat of the day, and return at sundown, sundown to do it again the next day because of a promise? That's right, sir. The traveler thought for a moment, and then he asked, so this promise, it comes from the king? That's right, sir. Well, do you have anything to show for all this work? Anything else? I mean, other than this promise. I mean, do you earn anything each day? <laughs> the worker smiled again. He motioned to a small bench located near the path, a bench often used for weary workers who needed a break. 
And he began a simple, faith-filled explanation. No, sir. We don't earn anything, as you say. We already have our reward. Our reward is in the joy of our king. A joy he displays as we carry out his desires. You see, he cares for all of our needs as he's promised. It's, it's all here in the parchment. He simply asks us to follow his directions each day. Those who give themselves to his instructions find his words to be true and are given strength for the work as you see here. The traveler shook his head and asked, so you work here all day but cannot see any results, right? How can you work so hard without seeing the end result? The very reason why you're working so hard, it just doesn't make any sense. The worker grinned at the man, understanding how foolish all of this sounded. It's the word of the king, sir, that gives hope and faith and even the strength to keep going when, as you say, we can't see the results. You see, the king often tells us that even though we cannot see the results, he can. He sees them all from his vantage point, and they are glorious in his sight. It brings us so much joy to work for him, for there's nothing quite like sharing in his joy as he rejoices over outcomes visible to him alone. Oh, if you could only see him in the mornings when he commissions us to our jobs. He's filled with expectation and excitement because he knows the results of each little task to which we have been sent. And there are times when he walks through the kingdom and gives us encouragement by pointing out to us the evidence that our work is accomplishing the very reason for which he sent us into this or that particular place. Would, would you like a cup of refreshing water, sir? The, the king replenishes daily this uh, water of life that renews our strength and our perspective. Refreshed, and with these words ringing in his ears, the young traveler got up and left the worker behind. He thought about the words he had heard and marveled at the faith he had witnessed. He wondered about such a king as this. And deep down, he felt a longing to know this king. For there was a sense that he too was made for this kind of life. Could all this be true? He would go to another worker to see if he could find the same faith and the same joy fueling the work to which that particular kingdom worker had been called. Well, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 17 in your Bibles. John's chapter 17. We're going to read through verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to draw out three principles. There's so much here in John 17. But three principles um, to think about as we are on mission 
for this kingdom, this great God that we serve. So let me read this. John 17, verses 1 through 8. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So much more in this text. We just had time to spend um, reading through. Dave shared some at at, uh, a members meeting or an evening service not too long ago. But let's just pray and then dig into a few principles here that we can use. Father, our longing is to glorify, grow, and go. We, we We long so much to be a people who honor you with our lives, who are growing in our understanding, our our knowledge of you, growing to know you, and proclaiming that message to those that you've given to us. So take this, multiply our time together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the first principle that I want to share with you is our complete dependence upon God. Jesus understood himself to be dependent on his Father to complete his mission, to complete his purpose on this earth, dependent on his Father. Here in verses 1 and 2, he says, Father, glorify your Son that the Son might glorify you. In order to complete the stewardship given to him on earth, in order to walk through the next hours of excruciating pain, this is right before his crucifixion, in a manner that would glorify his Father, he needs his Father. He depended on his Father. The Father who had given him authority to display the knowledge of God to those who desperately needed him. As God glorified him by revealing himself through him, Jesus. And we sang about him being the image of the invisible God. Jesus manifested the glory of his Father for all who had eyes to see. He would say to his disciples, If you have seen me, you have seen me. The Father. 
John says of him, and we read it earlier, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. The happy dependence of Jesus upon his Father is the overflow of their gloriously being one. Father, glorify your Son that your Son might glorify you. So, our first point here is that in his life and mission, Jesus understood himself to be dependent upon his Father to complete that mission. He glorified his Father by living out the glory of his Father for all to see. Let me say that again. He glorified his Father by living out the glory of his Father for all to see. And what is crazy is that we hear Jesus saying in this prayer, later on, things like verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Why? That they may be one, even as we are one. Why? So that the world may know. (laughs) That the world may know the Father. The world may know the Son. The world may know the Spirit. So that the world may know. Listen to verse 18. This is your mission, Jubilee. Our mission. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. We're on mission, Jubilee. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you hear the mission? Do you hear the mission that's given to us? The mission and purpose for our lives, whether it be fulfilled in Cameroon, Sweden, Turkey, Indonesia, Minneapolis, St. Paul, the purpose for our lives is the same as that of our Lord's. It is to make known the glory of the Father. And we've got to carry out that mission for the glory of the Father through a complete dependence upon Him through the power of His Spirit. And that's a good thing. (laughs) That's a happy reality. Because the mission of Jesus and the mission of our lives in Christ, depending ultimately on the Father, is all about His ability and not ours. In humble dependence, as we seek to parent our children, as we seek to learn a new language in Indonesia, as we share with a neighbor or we work through a hard issue, we call out to the Father and look to Him as Christ did to so glorify us, to so work in us, His children, with wisdom and courage and joy and strength, the fruit of the Spirit, knowing that the mission in His name and for His fame will never fail. It will come about. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
So when you are teaching your children, or you're preparing a meal, or you're interacting with a neighbor, or you are learning a new language somewhere around this world, or maybe right here in Minneapolis learning a new language to reach a people, trying to help, God enables you to respond to those around you in a manner that pleases Him as you are humbly dependent upon Him. So then, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all in a manner that pleases Him. How do you do that? Well, if you tip the glass just a little bit to the right and drink, uh uh-huh, that will honor Him. No! No, no. We eat and we drink. We do all that we do to honor Him by depending upon Him. Giving thanks, worshiping, delighting in that glass of refreshing water because it comes from Him. Depending upon Him for the next one that will be coming. So again, our first point here is that in this life and mission, in His life and mission, Jesus understood Himself to be dependent upon His Father to complete that mission. He glorified His Father by living out the glory of His Father for all to see. And Jubilee, that's what we're called to. A second example of Jesus here from John 17. Second one I want us to focus on again. There are a lot of them here. The second principle is that people are brought, get this, Jubilee, people are brought into our lives so that we might make known to them our great God. People are brought into our lives, God's at work, People are brought into our lives so that we might make known to them our great God. Ruth came to faith through someone who's trying to learn Ruth's language. Ruth shared with her mother who came to faith. Ruth and her mother shared with the family over and over again. And Jesus showed up in that house of worship to remind this man that he was the king. Jesus is the king. And this man said, I want to follow that king. I want to live for that king. Jesus says here in verse 2 of John 17, and then says again more clearly in verse 6. So look down at verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He's not just talking about the twelve. He's talking about many to whom he has manifested the Father's name. He's manifested the person of his Father to them, taught them. Many who have come to belief through him. Jesus says he has manifested the glory of his Father... To these people. But what I want you to notice is how he describes them and how he understands these people. This is instructive for how we should view the mission influence that's given to us by God in the lives of others, in your home, in your neighborhood, in Minneapolis, in St. Paul, in Cameroon, wherever it might be. These people were the fathers, yours they were. 
And they were given to Jesus. They were entrusted to Jesus so that he could make known his Father's glory, his Father's name to them. And this is so instructive for us, Jubilee. Jesus looked at people and invited them into the vision of his Father's glorious kingdom. Those who listened to his word and believed were of his Father. According to John 10, those who rejected him in unbelief were of their father, the devil. The question for us is this. Do we realize, do you think this way? Do we realize that people are given to us on a day-to-day basis, on a daily basis? People are given to us for influencing them toward the kingdom of God. There's purpose in why you are living next to those people. There's reason for those in your sphere of influence at work. In your kitchen and your living room, do you see the investment that God has given you in your children? There's a purpose. There's a reason why you have these children A stewardship given to you that you might invest in them a vision of God. Are you showing them the glory of God? Because you realize that they've been given to you for this purpose. Are we dreaming of crossing oceans and doing church planting in faraway places like North Minneapolis and Indonesia? Because we believe the Father has souls? Isn't that what Walt said? Isn't that one of the verses Walt, Walt talked about? I have many in this city. He has souls that he desires to entrust to us that we might manifest who he is to them through our lives, through our responses to life, through our use of the resources he has given to us through our attitudes, through our message. Well, the mission for our lives is the same as our Lord's mission, whether we are here in Minneapolis or somewhere else, and it is to manifest with our lives the Father's glory to those whom the Father has given to us so that they might know Him. And this influence begins in your home. And spreads outward. So the first principle is our complete dependence upon God. For any fulfillment of his purpose in ministry. Through our lives. The second principle is that people are given to us. So that we might make known to them our great God. You know. One response that we often have in missions or ministry. Is a feeling of guilt. A sense that I should have been doing more. I should have been doing more. Well, there's one more principle that I would like to share with you this morning, coming from this example of Jesus in his prayer to his Father. And I think it'll help us to understand our lives in the context of ministry. So the third principle is that we are called to be faithful where God has given us influence. 
We're called to be faithful where God has given us influence. Jesus made an amazing statement to his father in his prayer here in John 17. Verse 4, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He hasn't gotten to the cross yet, okay? He hasn't quite gotten to the cross yet. We tend to listen to a statement like that. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And we know what we focus on? Having accomplished. Having accomplished. We do this because God built into us a work ethic. He built into us a work mandate with our lives. But sin has a tendency to warp that work focus. And we focus on accomplishment. And then what we do is we try to receive and and take our value from that. Finding our value in our accomplishments. You know, there's always going to be more that you could do. And you will never be enough for all that you could do. But I want you to see a, a brighter picture of what Jesus shows us here. What have we missed in this statement of Jesus? Well, first recognize that not every blind person in Judea had their eyes opened by Jesus. Not every uh, lame person in Galilee was healed. You know, there were a lot of people at the pool of Bethesda, but only one was healed. The work from our warped perspective says to Jesus, you're not done. You're not done. There's so much more to do in, 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 in Judea and in Galilee and in Israel overall. Had all the poor had the good news preached to them? The key to understanding lies once again in the Father. We've got to see our lives in connection to the Father. Jesus gave us a model to follow, and he said over and over again that he only does what he sees his Father doing. He only speaks what he hears his Father speaking. Jesus set his hand to accomplish Only the work given to him from his father. Has God given you a vision to take your your family to Indonesia? Obey him. Go to Indonesia and discover the blessing of God as he works through your family to see the church planted. Has he called you as a member of Jubilee Community Church to remain here in Minneapolis and pray for the work of Indonesia? Obey him. Give yourself to prayer for that work in Cameroon, in Turkey. And he will take your faithful obedience and multiply it to bring about his purposes. Is it more blessed to go to Indonesia or to pray for Indonesia? Well, you are blessed by God as you faithfully, because he takes and he multiplies it as you faithfully give yourself to the specific calling on your life by your Father in heaven. And it might be in your kitchen to those children. What do you hear God asking of you? Jesus was able to say, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you 
gave me to do. And this perspective of Jesus is it's full of possibility. And it's full of peace. It's God at work to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Jesus gave himself to only what the Father gave him to do. He didn't covet what others were given. He didn't insert himself where he didn't belong. And the result was an abiding peace in glorifying his Father in the midst of, get this, not laziness, in the midst of long, hard days that left him totally exhausted for the kingdom. He worked hard for the kingdom of his father. He did what his father told him to do, and he was able to say, I have accomplished it all by your power. The first principle in our, is our complete dependence upon God for any fulfillment of his purpose in and through our lives. And the second is that lives are given to us. I hope you see that as precious. Lives are given to us so that we might make known to them our great God. And the third principle is that we are called to be faithful where God has given us influence. Well, verse 5, as we come to a close here, verse 5 speaks of a promise to which Jesus was looking. Verse 5, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So he asked the man what the motivation was behind all this effort. The man paused in his work and looked away lovingly toward the residence of the king high on a hill. And then with a smile, he pulled out a parchment and held it up and said, Sir, it's, it's the promise. A promise? You mean you come out here early each morning, toil in the heat of the day, and return at sundown to do it again the next day, all based on a promise? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. The traveler thought for a moment and then asked, this promise, it comes from the king? That's right, sir. Well, do you have anything to show for all this work you do other than this promise? I mean... Do you earn anything each day? The worker smiled again, motioned to a small bench located next to the path, a bench often used for weary workers who needed a break, and he began a simple, faith-filled explanation. Well, whether the Lord calls you as a single or as a family to work in Turkey or to work in Minneapolis. He is calling you to works that he has prepared beforehand and that he will work through your life. And I hope that as your children ask questions or as strangers ask you 
about your faith, that you'll motion to a place to sit down and with great expectation in the Father's ability to use your life because He's brought them into your life with that great expectation in the Father's ability to make Himself known through you, you will begin a faith-filled explanation of the promises and mission and glory of our great King, who is even now actively gathering into His kingdom those who have ears to hear and those who have eyes to see. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. We long to glorify You, Father, with these short little lives that You've given to us. We long to use every resource for Your kingdom not to make a name for ourselves, not to build a wall and a protective fence around us. No, we want to use what you've given, even the words that you're speaking to us. We want to use them to honor you, to point others to you, that many who belong to you will hear, will receive, and will turn and follow your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit. So as we give ourselves to prayer and as we give ourselves to study, oh, Father, would you extend your hand to work mightily through our lives here in Minneapolis and in Sweden and in Turkey and in Cameroon and in Indonesia and in Pakistan in the next few weeks as our brothers go to encourage? Would you so work that many on that last day will point to very little unknown tasks that you gave us to do and say it was because of that, God God working through that, that I know the Savior. Oh, Father, we don't want to fall short of faithfulness. And so enable us by your Spirit to walk faithfully with you. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.